Amen. Welcome. How are you guys doing today? Good. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas uh, and you're ready for 2019. It's hard to believe it's already 2019, but some of you will be very excited. It's only 360 days till Christmas. So that's exciting, right? Or 361. I don't know if there's 365 or 366 this year. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, my name is Matt Johnson, and I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer, and, and I'm so glad to be able to share God's Word with you today. I'm, I'm glad also to uh, welcome you if you're new here. Uh, this is your first week, uh, especially excited to have you uh, join us. Today's fifth Sunday of the month, and we're glad to have also have our upper and lower elementary kids in here with us. So welcome to you guys. Can I get a little more than, than Kate got from you? Hey, hey, come on, let me hear you. All right, you're out there. Speaking of fifth Sundays, growing up in the little church uh, in North Carolina that I went to, the youth, there was four or five of us, so it was very small, nothing compared to Redeemer, where we have tons of kids. Uh, but we led worship and we taught Sunday school. Now, leading worship, I was actually led the worship, which in a little country church, it looked a little different than here. In the mountains of North Carolina, or as my wife would say, down in the holler. But my, my, my mom led worship. There was a piano, and we sung hymns. So it was pretty simple. So Nathan, don't worry. I'm not going to jump back here, and he'd probably tackle me if I touched anything back there anyway. We also taught Sunday school to the adults. So there's four or five of us. We'd take five or ten minutes, and we would kind of share something with them, uh, and then church would be over. We'd kind of go do our thing. And I'm not sure if I want to go back and listen to what I had to say. Or maybe, when we look at our text today, maybe, maybe I would. Maybe there's something there I need to hear. But there's one thing for sure. Then I was always nervous. I got shaky. My voice was cracking. My mouth got dry. And really, I haven't got over that, which is always obvious when I get up here. So bear with me if that happens. But being a pastor and standing up here, that's quite an unexpected thing for me. Now, the pastor in the church I grew up in always said, one of you guys, you're going to be a pastor one day. Well, I never imagined it would actually be me. But I'm thankful for that small amount of leadership development that that pastor kind of focused on when I was younger. But I'm more thankful for the way Chris and Redeemer has a heart for leadership development here at Redeemer. So fifth Sundays look a little different. The elementary students aren't going to come up here and start playing, but that would be pretty cool, I think, and some of them would be pretty excited, and I think we have a lot of talented musicians coming up, so who knows, one day they'll be up here worshiping God with us. But it's really important to have them in here with us uh, so that they can see what we do. What do those adults do when we're at Redeemer Kids? We get to hear God's Word, they hear God's Word, but we hear it differently, and it's good for them to, to join us and experience that and to worship with us. And what I hope is as the week goes by that on the car rides or sitting at your table at dinner time, you'll have discussions about their time here this morning. So the last few weeks, we were leading up to Advent, the birth of our Lord, and we walked through that story. Last week, we heard about the shepherds being the unexpected recipients of the news of the Savior's birth. Actually, the whole story leading up to Jesus' birth is about a lot of unexpected characters and a lot of unexpected situations. 
And that's what we're going to do today, is just look at another unexpected situation from 2 Kings 14, the unexpected salvation of Naaman. Please turn to 2 Kings 5.14. That's going to be our text today. It's on page 311 in those Bibles in your rows. If you don't have a Bible, we have free copies available back at the connection table in the back, and we'd love for you to be able to take God's Word home with you. So if you could please stand for the reading of God's Word. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we just come to you today, Lord, Lord, asking you to speak to us, Lord, to soften our hearts with what you would have us hear. Uh, Lord, as we come uh, to, to sit under your word, Lord, let it, let it pierce our hearts. Let your truths be known, uh, and let us hear uh, from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. So this morning we're going to look at four points. Yep, I just said four points, and I read one verse. So buckle up. I'm just kidding. We are going to have to work through this, though. We've got to know who Naaman is. We're going to work through most of chapter 5, uh, but it won't be that long. You know, 1.30, 2 o'clock, we'll be done. Uh, so here are the four points. An unexpected leper, an unexpected messenger, an unexpected request, and an unexpected salvation. So the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it perfectly of who Naaman is. It says, Naaman was a very important man in a very important country of a a very important army of a very important country. So Naaman, he was a man of valor. God actually even used him and gave him victory over Israel. That sounds kind of strange. What does does Naaman mean? You know, all our names have a meaning. Naaman meant pleasantness, beautiful, delightful. But what do we see there in verse 1 of chapter 5? It says, but he was a leper. What is that? What is a leper? So he has this disease of the skin. And it's going to actually eventually kill him one day. Leprosy was this nasty disease that stopped you from feeling your fingers would just fall off or your toes would fall off. Sounds kind of gross, kind of weird. Maybe it makes you laugh a little bit, but it wasn't a laughing matter for Naaman. It was a serious, serious thing. He was covered in sores probably too. He was probably wrapped up in bandages. Maybe he looked like a mummy walking around. Who knows? But it doesn't sound like something a great man would have, does it? Some guy with all this importance. There's got to be something, some way he could be healed. But this shows us the brokenness of the world impacts everyone. No matter how special you are, how strong you may be, there's, there's nothing that holds back the brokenness from you. Many times in the Bible, leprosy was actually used to symbolically describe sin, the leprosy of the heart. And just like leprosy, sin doesn't care who you are, great or small, good or bad. So here's Naaman, this great commander, 
of the Syrian army. He's heading toward, down the road towards death. There's no one in Syria, or for what Naaman even knew, in the world that could help him. He's helpless and hopeless. But this idea of an unexpected leper is about us as well. Maybe you feel like you've got it all together, that you're doing everything right. You go to church, you read your Bible, you pray. Or maybe you don't even think those things matter, and you just do more good than bad, and that's your ticket. You might even say, I don't sin. I don't have this leprosy in my heart. But what we read in the Bible, it doesn't agree with that statement. It says we all have the same condition, that we're all infected with sin, and there's nothing we can do about it. Just like Laman, we've tried to do everything. Maybe, maybe we, if we do more good, maybe if I just get that pay raise, or if I get more money, there'll be a way for me to be healed from this, this sickness. But no relief comes. No healing, no hope. And we need someone to share the good news that there is hope, that there's hope in Christ. Sometimes that news we need to hear actually comes from an unexpected person in some unexpected place. That place could be here today with someone that's sitting by you or just from the word of the Lord. For Naaman, it comes from this little servant girl. Now, who's this little servant girl? So Naaman was the commander of an army. He raided Israel. And she was actually captured probably on one of Naaman's raids. And then she was either given or maybe Naaman even like purchased her to be a servant for his wife. We don't even know what her name is. It just says a servant girl or a maid. That's pretty surprising because she's super important to the story. She's taken from her home, forced to work for the enemies, her enemies. Now, we're not told her age, but probably maybe between 6 to 14 years old is probably how old she is. So many of you little ones, you're the same age as this little girl. That would be kind of a scary thing, right? Being taken away from your family. But we see something very interesting. We think, man, she's got to be helpless and hopeless. She's probably crying every night. But we see she must have had tremendous hope. Even though hope, even enough hope that her captor could be healed. Look at verse 3 there. She said to her mistress, With it, my Lord, were with the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. That's crazy. She cared for these people who took her away from her family. She could have been happy that this guy had leprosy, that he was going to die, that his fingers and arms were going to fall off. But that's not what she wanted. She wanted what was best for him. Sounds like she was living like Jeremiah 29.7 called the Israelites to. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. She cared for the welfare of Naaman. This is crazy. She probably prayed for him. She prayed for her captor. But we're also called to live like this. Do we care about the welfare of those who are against us, that have hurt us? I know I'm guilty of that. 
of, of not really doing that very well sometimes. Sometimes I'm ready to say they deserve to have that illness. They deserve the punishment Scripture promises. Well, what do you think the wife thought? This little girl, who was a captor of them, said, I want Naaman to be healed, and I know how he can be healed. She was probably a little confused. But I bet she was thrilled to hear about the possibility because she wanted her husband to be healed. But she probably have her doubts too, right? Think about this guy. He's probably pretty well off. They've probably tried everything. Nothing's worked. But it didn't make her hesitate to tell her husband that there's another opportunity. Where did her hope come from? She was probably raised in a God-fearing home. She was probably discipled by her parents to know who God is and what God has done and could do. She probably even had seen or at least heard about how God worked through this prophet. His name was Elisha. How there was this widow uh, who had this huge debt and she had sons and they were going to take the sons away. And all she had was some oil. And Elijah said, go collect all the containers you can from your neighbors and start pouring oil into those containers. And as she poured oil, it just kept coming out. And she filled all these containers and was able to pay the debt off. And she was able to live off that. And her sons would not have to become servants of this debt she owed. Or about this barren woman who gave birth to a son. Then this son actually died. And God worked through Elisha to raise the son from the dead. Or there was these sons of these prophets. And they came together. And they went out to, the servants in the house went out to get some stew ready. They got some poisonous plants and put in there, not on purpose. And they all started eating. They're like, this soup's got death in it. And Elisha says, oh, let's put some flour in there. And through God, through God's work through him, the soup was fine. They ate it. They didn't die. All right, over 100 people were fed through Elisha's trust in God. And there was food left over. It's pretty safe to say that Elisha's foreshadowing Jesus here. A lot of these miracles that were performed through him, we see that in Jesus' life. So how does this servant's girl influence us today? So she had this trust in God, this hope in God. I mean, think about this also. This little girl, she's a, she's a servant. She's a slave to Naaman. And now he's, she has made this news known that you can be healed. What do you think is going to happen to her if it doesn't pan out the way Naaman thinks? She's got to have hope, right? She's got to have an incredible hope. Because she trusts God. She knows who God is and what he will do. So she influences today because our children need to know who God is and what he has done. They need to hear us pray and see us reading the Bible. We need to read the Bible to them and with them. They need to see us admit that we're hopeless. And that God provides the true hope that that we need. They need to hear us tell them that they need Christ to rescue them. And we need to stop trying to be their savior. I'm guilty of that for sure. Just this week, (laughs) 
Christmas and I get really frustrated, be good. Nope. I need to, I need to step back and see who they need more than me. Now, this servant girl, that's a pretty extreme circumstance, right? Maybe that we won't see that happen in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to bring the gospel even into our homes. I know I've seen that more than once. When I yell or get frustrated or get angry, and a little kid says, Dad, just give me some grace. Hmm. Children, teens, adults, you can be bold too like this little girl was. You never know when that unexpected moment will come when God is going to use you for his glory. See, this sermon was... They always, you always say that sermons affect you when you're putting them together. Well, they should. They definitely affect me. See, this is my emotion. I always get emotional up here. <laughs> it's all right. Parents, do you see your kids this way? Do you believe God can use them? Are you discipling them? Or relying on someone else to do it for you? This is hard, though. I know personally, having three little girls in the house, it can be crazy. You try to do some discipleship, you're trying to read the Bible, and someone's screaming, or someone's trying to cut someone's hair, or who knows what's happening. It can be a crazy time. But we've got to trust God that He can come into those moments. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon can help us with this. He says, Yield thyself up like a child to be taught by the great comforter. And thou shalt not only find rest unto thy soul, but thou shalt be able to instruct and cheer others also. So to even be able to do this, we need to first become like a child and let Jesus teach us. We need, to rest, he, we need him to rescue us first before we can even think about trying to disciple our kids. Now Spurgeon goes on to clarify what he means by become like a child. He says there's a great difference between childish and childlike. The former is put away as we grow up into Christ. The latter we grow into as we become more like our Lord. We need to put childish actions away. You know, like overreacting about some spilled milk. I don't know if anyone else has that experience, but I have had plenty of those. And grow in our trust that Jesus has got it. Where do you need to be more childlike in your faith? And be bold for the gospel. Do you really believe that God can heal the leprosy of hearts, including yours? We see that Naaman took this message and acted on it. But not in the way God intended to, for him to at first. If we search our hearts during this next part, I believe we act on this message in a similar way. So, this little servant girl has shared with Naaman's wife, you can be healed if you just see this prophet in Samaria. So what's he do? He goes to the king of Israel, or king of Syria, and he says, this maid of mine said that this guy can heal me. And the king's like, I'm writing you a letter that says you are a servant of mine, that you are a great commander in my army. You take this to the king so you can be healed. He gets this letter. And he also gets a bunch of people probably and a whole bunch of money. 
It says he has 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. There's horses, there's chariots, and here they're off headed to Israel. Also, 10 sets of clothing. I'm not really sure what the clothing's about. Either they're going to use that for payment, maybe, with all the other money, or maybe he thought there was going to be some parties after he got healed, or maybe, with him being a leper, maybe, maybe he had to change his clothes a lot. We're not told. There, there could be many, many reasons there was 10 changes of clothing taken. So he heads down, gives the letter to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel tears his clothes. He's in despair. He's frustrated. He's scared. Why why was he scared? He says in verse um, 7, he goes, Am I God to kill and make alive? This man sends word to me to cure this man of his leprosy? He's He's seeking a quarrel with me. We're already, they already raid us. Now he's trying to start a war because I can't, I can't heal this guy. But Elisha hears about the king tearing his clothes and says, hey, send Naaman down to me. Send him down here. The king had forgot about Elisha. He forgot about the prophet of the true God. So he sends him down. Knock, knock. You know, Naaman's with his chariots and his horses coming up to Elisha's door. Knocking on the door says, okay, he's going to come out and heal me now. Well, Elisha sends a messenger out there. The messenger says, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Your flesh will be restored and you will be healed. That's it. That's all he says. He didn't send Elisha. Elisha didn't come out. This is a strange request, a pretty unexpected request for Naaman. He gets pretty angry. He's expecting some, you know, some magic. He's going to wave his hands over me. Everybody's going to see how special and important I am. And he's going to heal me. Or he's going to come out and say, Hey, since you're a commander, you're strong. You can, you can get your salvation yourself. You can get healed. Just do these amazing strengths, feats of strength. That's not what he said. Naaman just gets mad. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I can do it on my own. I can... The rivers in Syria are cleaner than that muddy, nasty Jordan River. I'm going to go wash in those. But we're, we're, we kind of do this, don't we? We're like this sometimes. We're up for doing it on our own. I'm guilty of this time with my kids and Kate. I try to fix the problem because I'm the dad or the husband. I can do it. I'm super dad. At least my girls think I am. But a lot of the time, I end up going to God in prayer as a last resort when I should have started in prayer and trusted that God would give me the wisdom to not say the frustrated thing that was pretty unwise, that didn't help the situation at all. Or maybe we say, well, give me the playbook. If the Bible is the playbook, this right here has all the answers in it that I need. I'll, I'll follow those perfectly. All those rules, I'll follow them because I can do it. I'll pull my bootstraps up. We want to do it ourselves, right? We want to gain our own salvation by doing something hard and challenging. Nothing comes, nothing comes free. How do you receive this message of the gospel? Does it seem too simple? Is it too childlike? Well, even though it, Naaman reacted super poorly because he was ready to hit the road, 
He had servants to help him understand what Elisha's message said. Over in verse 13 it says, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he decides to do it, even though it was such an unexpected request. And the outcome of his obedience was an unexpected salvation. So here's Naaman. We're starting to see a little bit of kind of what the leprosy of his heart was, his pride. He could do everything, and he thought he could do the, un, the unimaginable and heal himself by doing something special. But he couldn't. His pride was getting broken. The leprosy of his heart was being revealed. So here he is, heading down with his posse to the Jordan River. There's probably a lot of people around that are Israelites, that are his enemies, that see this commander walking down to the river. So he jumps in, one dip, two dips, three dips. He's looking at him. He's like, nothing's happening. Four, five dips, six dips, still nothing. His hands or his arms, maybe his pinky's still gone. He's like, nothing's, nothing's going to, nothing's working. He comes up after that seventh dip, and it says he came up cleansed, and his skin was like that of a child. Just like that. Think about this. Kids, look at, put your hands out, kids, and look at your parents' hands. Look at them. Or, or imagine like how when you were a kid, you looked at your parents' hands and they're like, man, there's a lot of bruises and cracks and wrinkles and scars and everything on, on their hands. You're like, man, will my hands ever look like that or will they stay like this? Well, they're, for Naaman, it came out perfectly clean, like the skin of a child. That's pretty crazy. This man, who was not a follower of God, killed and raided God's people, seized this little girl, He didn't deserve the healing of his skin disease. Man, he was a bad dude. Jesus mentions Naaman over in Luke 4, 27 and 28 when he's addressing those in the Nazareth synagogue when he read from Isaiah and said that the scriptures were going to be fulfilled through him. Jesus says, and there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha. There's a lot of Israelites who were lepers God's people who were lepers. And none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. And when they heard these things, they all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. It made them mad that Jesus brought this thing up. It made them mad that he was saying, salvation is for, not just for you, but for all people. The people that you hate. Now, let's step back a minute to this muddy river. You may object and say, well, that muddy river, maybe it had some healing properties in it, right? I know there's a spa treatment where you take mud baths. No thank you. But it does remind me of a trip I took down the Colorado River uh, one time. We had a bag, and we filled it up with kind of canned Cokes, other drinks, that we would throw out in the water and let the, the river keep it cold. I, the Colorado River snow run off, snow melt from the mountains. So that's a great refrigerator. So we were keeping it nice and cold in there. This river was super muddy. You could hear the sand and the silt on the bottom of the canoe. It was just kind of, you could just hear it like probably eating the canoe away. 
What this did to the cans was pretty amazing, though. In the day-and-a-half trip, they were, they were pretty much sandblasted. All we had were nice, shiny aluminum cans. We had no idea what we were grabbing to drink. It's like, who brought the LaCroix <laughs> on this trip? That's crazy. Come on. Now, to bring this back, what was inside didn't change. The LaCroix didn't turn into Coke or something amazing. It was still LaCroix. Shiny on the outside, but the contents didn't change. This wasn't the case for Naaman. Neither is it for us if we can receive what's offered like a childlike faith. Yes, he was physically healed, but more than that, the deeper healing he needed was given to him. The truth of who God is and what God has done and who this God really was. He was a God that cared. The leprosy of his heart was cleansed. That's more impressive than having perfect skin. He had a healed heart. He could be in relationship with God and worship him for who he was and is. All because of what? Remember Naaman came down with a bunch of money and some clothes. Was it that he paid to get this healing? Was it that he was a good guy and he followed all the rules? No, he didn't even know the rules. He didn't know the commands of God. There was no because of this or that on the part of Naaman. The only because of was God's mercy and grace. God healed Naaman because he is God. God healed Naaman to show that he loved not only the Israelites, but that he loved those the Israelites hated and despised. God healed Naaman because he was the only one that could heal the leprosy of Naaman's heart. And through this healing came the realization that the God of Israel is actually the only true God, the God who heals, the God who can save. This unexpected salvation points us to the salvation that's offered to us. We all have this leprosy of the heart. This disease of skin will... Sin will this disease of skin... This disease of sin will kill us. And even if we look good on the outside, and that's pretty easy to do, right? It's easy to clean up, put on the face. But the inside needs more cleaning, and probably our outside does. God can heal the rotten decay that sin has caused in our lives, and it continues to cause in our lives, if we only receive it. How does he do this? With Naaman, he's told to go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Go dip yourself in that muddy river. Your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. It took Naaman a bit to understand that this faith, that his faith in God, what God said, would actually do the healing, not not the dipping in the river. So how is this cleansing applied to us then? If it's offered to us, how do we get it? Do we need to go find a muddy river to wash in? Maybe pipe in some Monroe Lake water. I hear that's pretty nasty. No way. We're cleansed by Jesus' shed blood. We must wash in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus faced an unexpected task in our eyes, a cruel and painful death, so that we may be cleansed. Earlier I said that salvation, we we put this challenge on salvation. we got to do something. That's true, someone's got to do something, and it's not, but it's not us. 
It's Christ who faced the biggest challenge of anyone in history. Our salvation wasn't free either. We talk about the free gift of grace. That is offered to us, but it wasn't free for God. He had to give his only son. But we get that free gift. This is better than any Christmas gift we could ever receive. Here's the thing about leprosy. During biblical times, you were considered unclean if you had leprosy. And under Jewish law, you couldn't touch, associate, or come in contact with an unclean person. If you were unclean, you had to walk around saying, unclean, unclean. No one could come near you. You had to let them know. That's what sin does to us. It makes us unclean. It makes us unable to be in relationship with God because He is holy. But there's another yell. There's a yell of, I am a sinner of those who realize they have nothing to offer and need redemption that only God can give. Then, as we sung earlier, we can say, I'm a child of God by grace and grace alone. That's our yell now when we're in Christ. So what Jesus did on the cross was come and dip himself into the leprosy of our hearts. Take the death that it was bringing and rid us of the disease, making us clean so that we could be in relationship with God. This is the greatest news and the most unexpected offer we can imagine. Naaman didn't deserve this healing of his physical problem, much less his heart problem. He deserved death, not life. He was an enemy of God. But if we look at ourselves and see ourselves, we are actually enemies of God too and deserve the same thing. We deserve, what we deserve is death, but that's not what we get when we put our faith in Christ. We get Christ-deserved righteousness, and Christ received the deserved punishment and death that we all earned. Christ lived perfectly for us, died our death, and praise be to God, death could not hold him down. He was raised in victory for us and now lives so that we can have a sure hope, a hope like that little girl. This unexpected salvation gives us so much hope that when so much hope when things seem hopeless. This is an unexpected salvation that has no fee attached. This is an unexpected salvation that we must remember every minute of every hour of every day. So where are you at today? Are you in need of healing like Naaman? Physically, spiritually, maybe both. Are you struggling to totally trust that Jesus accomplished all you need? Are you in a situation where you need to be that unexpected messenger of the gospel? Are you, are you a parent who desires your kids to know the wondrous works of our Savior? Wherever you may be, may you continually remember this unexpected salvation that is offered to you. In a moment, pastors and prayer responders will be at the back and would love to pray and chat with you about this unexpected salvation or anything else. Let's pray. Father God, uh, your word pierces the heart. Lord, you change hearts uh, in your timing. Uh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, these words that you uh, give us uh, about Naaman and your healing and your salvation of him, Lord. Lord, can help us see that you are a God that cares, 
cares enough to send your son. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that free gift you offer because it costs you so much. Lord, as we continue to worship here, Lord, help us reflect on that, reflect on who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.